Hey everyone, I welcome you all to the first episode of Camp Amor, a true horror podcast. My name is Shubham Tripathi and I thank you all for joining me. The first story of our podcast is entitled No Cameras Allowed. It is about a small girl who recently lost her mother to a terrible fire. It is supposedly a true story that happened in Japan a few years ago. One of my family members suddenly passed away. I never met the woman. The only thing that I knew about her was she had a daughter who was 4 years old. Her name was Yuki. Her father wasn't able to raise her on his own, so he asked my aunt to help him. Yuki was afraid of everything. She refused to be left alone even for a single moment. It started to become a big problem. She didn't wanted to go out of the house or play with her friends anymore. One day my aunt came to me and told me that she had to go out to the town for a couple of days and wanted to leave Yuki with me. I thought it was a good idea because I pretty much lived by myself and having Yuki in my house would liven things up. I was pretty excited. A few days later, my aunt dropped Yuki at my apartment. But while dropping Yuki, she warned me not to take any pictures of her because Yuki didn't like cameras. I found it very hard for anybody to not like camera. I was big on photography back then and and taking pictures was my thing. The same evening I discovered how difficult Yuki was. I tried to play with her but she wouldn't move. All she ever did was sit quietly in a corner and stare at the wall the whole time. She wouldn't leave my side even for a single moment. Whenever I tried to leave her, she would start crying. She even insisted on going to the bathroom with me. It was pretty embarrassing. At bedtime, she refused to stay in her room and instead wanted to sleep in mine. It was then that I noticed the doll Yuki was holding. One of its leg was charred and burned. At the middle of the night, I was awoken by a strange noise. When I turned over, I saw Yuki sitting up. She was trembling and shaking. Her eyes were wide open. I held her close to me and tried to calm her down, but it didn't work. When I asked her what was wrong, she told me that the woman in black is looking at me. At first, I thought there was some stranger in the house, so then I took a bat and went around the house to confirm that if there was a stranger or not. I found no one. I asked Yuki what had happened, but she wouldn't say anything anymore. There was the expression on her face that I wouldn't forget for the rest of my life. The next morning she was fine again. To my surprise, she was playing with my camera. But my aunt told me that she didn't like cameras. Seeing her excitement, I taught her a thing or two about cameras. She went around my apartment and took pictures of everything she could. A few days later, it was time for Yuki to go. I let her keep the camera. She didn't say anything, but I knew she was overjoyed. I dropped her at my aunt's. Just out of curiosity, I asked my aunt how Yuki's mother died. My aunt said that she died of a fire, but that wasn't the entire story. She committed suicide. She was a troubled woman and poured gasoline over her and burnt herself alive. Hearing that, I was shocked. I went home and the day after that, I got a call from my aunt and she told me that Yuki was dead. The doctors couldn't find out what was wrong with her. She was perfectly healthy. She didn't have any problems and suddenly 
she was no more with us. On her funeral, my aunt gave me back the camera that I lent to Yuki. I went home and I was just scrolling down the images that Yuki took. There were all kinds of pictures, pictures of my apartment, pictures of my aunt's apartment, pictures of a dog, a tree, a flower, any normal picture that a child would take. And then I came to the last picture. The timestamp was of the night that Yuki died. In that picture, Yuki was standing in a room with a dark figure that was standing right behind Yuki. The next story that I am going to read in this podcast is one of my favorites. It's titled The Disappearance of Ashley. It's funny what you remember about your childhood. I don't remember my fifth birthday or my first day of school, but I remember very clearly the day my dog died. It's been 12 years now and it's still the most vivid memory of my childhood. My sister Ashley and I were typical twins, always hatching diabolical plans and getting into trouble. On this particular day, we had colored our cat Pongo blue. Even though my mom tried to punish us separately, me on the stairs and Ashley in the dining room, we were still making faces at each other. She was about to scold us when the doorbell rang. Standing on the stoop was a tall, lanky, blonde man wearing a red tracksuit. I remember he was shifting watery-eyed. He noticed Ashley and I immediately. What we noticed was he was holding our dog, Rocky, under one arm like a sack of flow. Ashley called to Rocky softly but the dog didn't move. The man began to talk lowly with my mother. She cupped a hand over her mouth and I heard him say that the dog came in front of a car and died. My mother went into the room covering her eyes and we were already in tears. It was our first taste of death and we cried for two days. We were six and making us understand what had happened was difficult for our parents. Our parents decided to have a funeral for Rocky in the backyard. Ashley and I were in tears as we read a poem we had written together the night before. My mother held us as my father hammered a white wooden cross into the ground bearing Rocky's name. That was only two months before it happened. What I remember much less clearly was the night that Ashley disappeared. My parents had thrown a going away party for Eric, who was leaving for a semester abroad in Japan. Ashley and I had begged them to make it a pool party and we finally won them down after much pestering. Oddly, I remember only bits and pieces of that night. My father was drunk. My mother was giving tours of our newly remodeled house to everyone, whether they wanted to see it or not. My brother was in the living room with his friends playing video games. And Ashley and I were in the pool playing Mermaid, which was our favorite game. My uncle Cliff gave us a rubber band, which we used to bind our ankles together. We then swam around the pool pretending to be Mermaids. Just after it got dark, my mom called us for dinner. My mother handed us our burgers and people admired our matching bathing suits. Together, we sat down on the pool deck to eat. Afterwards, we got back in the pool to play mermaid again. At some point, my mother called us into the bed. We pretended to cry and begged her to let us stay up a little later. 
She didn't fall for it. We went upstairs and changed into our night clothes. I remember we decided to switch beds and sleep in each other's pajamas so that we could play a trick on our mommy in the morning. It was her favorite prank and she deserved it for making us go early to bed. The next morning I woke up alone. I don't remember getting dressed or eating breakfast. What I do remember is spending what I felt like forever walking around our house looking for Ashley. The new renovations had yielding new hiding spots and it took me a while to check them all. I finally went to ask my mom if she knew where Ashley was and then my mom asked my dad, Paul, please tell me you took Ashley with you to drop Eric off. No, why? My dad's face was paled instantly. We can't find Ashley anymore. My dad had already been moving from room to room in the house for checking all the places that I checked before. By the time he returned, he was crying. It was the first time I saw him cry. Please call the police. Now. That was the day my mother turned into something else. She never smiled or cried again, but I did. But I never cried as much as I did when Rocky died, which always made me feel bad and confused. I remember a big policeman talking to me, asking me what I remembered. Had I heard anything in the middle of the night? He even asked if I liked having a twin sister or not. The question confused me for years. The days turned into weeks and still no Ashley. I slept alone in my room, switching from bed to bed. Some nights I pretended that I was Ashley and it was Rachel who is missing. A lot of people came forward to help. They were searching all over town and in the woods, but nobody could find Ashley. There were a lot of reporters who were in front of our house. My parents wouldn't let me watch the TV. The police tore up my room and the rest of the house. I thought they were looking for a goodbye note. Everyone thought that Ashley had run away. I was mad at Ashley and I hated her for leaving me alone. Months went by and I grew lonely. I was excited when my birthday came. My mom cried from morning to night that day. So my dad took me out for a dinner. But he was quiet the entire time. My dad upgraded Rocky's wooden cross to proper stone when I asked why Ashley hadn't had a funeral. I think he knew that I needed a place to grieve. We all did. One day, he came home with a new dog. I named the dog Bobby. I hated Bobby. He was trying to be Rocky and no dog could ever be like Rocky. He eventually ran away. No one looked for him. Four months after Ashley disappeared, my father fell in the pool. I remember sitting in my room and watching them drain the pool. It took them two days to fill the pool. The pool was one last happy thing in my life. And now my father had taken it away from me. My father was the taker of things. One afternoon I was flipping to the The remote dropped from my hand when I suddenly saw my face on the screen. It was called Unsolved Mysteries. My mother walked in and saw what I was watching. I was afraid I was in trouble, but she gave me a blank look. After that, I turned off. We eventually had a funeral for Ashley, but I don't remember it very well, at least not as well. After a year, my mother, I still remember. They were so far gone by then that they didn't seem to care that I heard. 
They were so far gone by then that they didn't care if I still remember that with you, with you, with my brother would never hurt my children. Christ, what the hell is wrong with you? You can't just go casually blaming everyone for kidnapping. She's not kidnapped anymore, Paul. She's dead. I recoiled. I didn't understand. Stupid Ashley. My thoughts were interrupted from the screaming. Then I. Then why did you fill in the. I ran then. I didn't understand the question. I didn't want to. Years went by. My mother met a new man and moved out of her house. When I was 13, I learned that my mom was living with Uncle Cliff, my dad's brother. I hated going to their house. My dad was now spending every night shut up in his study, which he had moved to the room at the back of our house. He kept it locked and he would never let me inside. I moved out when I was 18. My dad cried. Three weeks later, a police officer showed up at my apartment. He sat me down and told me that my father... I went to the house that night. My dad had killed himself in his study while sitting in his desk. I finally got to see the room. His body was gone but the blood on the wall... I looked around. The study was basically empty. There was a desk, a chair, seven photos, a notebook and a drawing. The desk sat in the middle of the room, faced the windows of the backyard. The photos were of Ashley and I. The drawings were of Ashley, the one she drew the night. The notebook was empty. It said, what happened the night of August 16, 2002? It was the night, but there was nothing written on the page. When I looked outside of the window, I saw a family picture. Ma'am, we know that this is a difficult time for you, but with your permission, we can escape. I glanced up at the detective standing next to me. I knew he was trying to trade lightly. I nodded at him. I thought I knew what they would. I thought maybe my mother had known it all along, but neither of us had the courage. I stayed at the house that week in my old room and watched their progress from the bedroom window. The first body was found in I woke up to the sound of people. I ran downstairs through the door and out under the floodlights in the backyard. I emotionally prepared myself and walked to the dead body. That's not my sister. I was almost crying. They all turned to look at me. That's not Ashley. I tried again. Someone grabbed my arm then. Who is that? That's not my sister. Who is that? I was screaming at the top of my voice. I knew I was becoming hysterical, but I couldn't stop myself. Ashley was dead and I didn't know who killed her or why even she was killed. I stood there in silence while I watched her body being taken away. So guys, I hope that you liked the two stories that I told and hopefully that you will subscribe to my channel after listening to this. I am now available on Apple Podcast, iTunes, Google Podcast, Stitcher and Pocket Casts.
and i'll see you on next friday until then stay tuned